So, if you watch the Jim Position at all, and I always assume nobody does, but if you do, uh, you'll know there's a running joke I do where I cut off the C word. Shh, naughty. <gasps> I cut that word off with um, the with an excerpt from the theme tune to Skeleton Warriors, uh, a, a little mentioned '90s cartoon. That, that had a toy line. It was one of those things. And uh, I I was watching them again last night. Because I, I loved them as a kid. Way too poor to afford the action figures. Always wanted an oracular. Don't you worry. When I started making money, <laughs> I, I, I made good on my promise. I've got an oracular. The spring on the gun's a bit shit, though, and that upset me. Uh, but but anyway, that's that's besides the point. The point is is that I was a big fan of the cartoon as a, as a kid, and a couple, like like many years back, I was about ten years back, I rewatched an episode and thought that held up a bit. And then I thought last night I'll rewatch it again and see if it holds up. And not only did I blaze through the first episode, I was like hooked on the second one and. Regretfully, you know, I, I, a car pulled up, and I realised being caught watching skeleton warriors on my own in the house <laughs> would be worse than being caught wanking by, you know, your parents. So I turned it off. But I'm gonna go back as soon as the house is empty. I might put it before wanking, um, and and it's genuinely good. Like it's cheesy and camp, and clearly full of nineties rubbish. Um, you know, the, one of the heroes is called Grimskull for fuck's sake. But <laughs> it, it's the actual, it's the it's the title characters that make it because the show is named after the bad guys because it knows the bad guys are more important. And it's just uh, like five or six just scene chewing camp. All of them laugh constantly, cackling. It's fucking brilliant. So I'm j- I just wanted to point out that Skeleton Warriors I... is actually a damn like like it's held up in a in a its own weird way. I I was gonna make a joke about the predictability of '90s cartoons based on like okay, what can I tell you about the show based on the uh, the title? And I was going to predict that the protagonists were warriors who happened to be skeletons, but it seems oh, like no. I've missed the mark. And this is a '90s cartoon whose title is not easily predictable to the premise of the show. Oh no, I've been bamboozled, 90s cartoon. I didn't give you enough credit. Yeah, yeah, it was like, like, name dropped constantly because Baron Dark, because that was his name. Baron Dark, how did, how did anyone trust him before he betrayed them? I, I don't know, but anyway... Um, well, yeah, it's like, how was... did anyone ever trust Victor Von Doom? That, that can happen sometimes, you know? <laughs> It can, it can. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I can't imagine them being being cooler than uh, Skeletor, though. I mean, Skeletor is really the king of camp. Uh, well, he is. Camp yeah, I mean, they don't. skeletons. They they don't have him quite that beat, but they they do make up for it with sheer relentlessness. Um, they are just relentlessly enjoying being evil. Like, that's the whole point, that's the concept of what a skeleton warrior is, is if you have a, a slight hint of badness in you, Baron Dark can grab you and 
do some poem about darkness's courier, which he tries to rhyme with serve me now as wouldn't a skeleton they, warrior. Wouldn't they then want you to leave the naughty words in your videos if they were Oh, if they were oh well, well, that's because as a prayer, as a card-carrying member of the Legion of Light, that, those are the good guys, uh, I have to subvert the skeleton warrior menace at any point. Um, uh. I, I, hashtag resist. Um... <laughs> Because that's the other thing about the show, is even though the good guys have to win because 90s cartoon, um, they have to win the episode, it takes place in a universe where the bad guys have already won. Like, which is unusual for a TV show. Um, In the first episode, Baron Duck storms the castle and and takes it over, and the good guys who were, like, rulers, like like Prince Adam and Eternia and all that shit, uh, were essentially overthrown and had to become the resistance. And that's the, the format of the show, and most of the the realm seems to have been turned into skeletons. So it's this kind of really post-apocalyptic That sounds pretty grim. Concept. Um, that's, that sounds Captain Power levels of grim. Yeah, well, it's, it's Grim Skull. That's how grim it is. We're at Grim Skull levels of grim. Um, it's, but it is uh, uh, entertaining. It, it's very, you know, cheesy, but I was impressed by how genuinely enjoyable it is, at least every time the actual skeletons are on the screen, uh, because every single one is voice acted with such utter joy. They just seem to love it, uh, and, and that seems to, to make it hold up. So they're all on YouTube, uh, that, the, the whole thing. So I think that might be the only way you can get them now. I think there was a DVD. I might have one somewhere. I think someone may have sent me one, but... So that's, that that is the the the, the 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 skeleton warriors indeed. Hooray! Yeah. We 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 did an intro that, as ever, was nothing to do with games because that's the kind of game show we are. It's it's a good way to do a podcast about video games. Yeah, exactly. The longer we can just like bullshit and say words that aren't video game words, the bigger the payoff is when we eventually talk about video games because we've just built it up and built it up and like a great joke it's it's the longer you drag out the punchline the better well that is what we talked about in the ratchet and clank spin-off doctors just yesterday so yeah that's a video game you mentioned one jim there we go mention alarm has gone warriors had a video game so all of that was related to yeah yeah Video game talk. It was on the, I... um, the Dreamcast and the PlayStation, if I recall correctly. I never played it. I don't did... think it was good. I, I feel like timing-wise, this is usually the bit where you you do your big shout about how this is the show that this is. The thing where you shout, oh, it's it's that show that we're on, this is who's oh. on it. I feel like we're about that point. But Oh, you want me to actually introduce the show? Well, you know, that that would be a, a nice thing to do in case it's someone's first episode. <laughs> I've had enough of your unorthodox ways, Dale. Me, me and um, my structures and, yeah, and like, attempts you're out. to get the show onto, onto rails. You're off the force. You and your oh. smudge. Yeah. Is, is, this, is this me done on the show now? <laughs> I'm, I, I try to enforce some kind of structure. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Hey, hey, she's not in the office today. She just spent like four hours this morning on my lap in the office. I shut her out before we recorded. Okay. This is Podquisition, in case you are unsure. Uh, I'm Jim Sterling, and I'm joined by Laura Kate Dale. Hello, Laura. How are you? I'm good. I'm here, as ever, trying to keep this show in some kind of 
meandering path with with mixed levels of success. It's like trying to herd co- uh, cats into a podcast. You know, it's I, you, you play the role of guardian in the Legion of Light uh, as as the kind of the, the stable uh, advisor, the the one who who's tr- who looks out for the the reckless ones. You say that I'm also like. You know, trying to work out whatever kind of bullshit. I can. It's like, I haven't eaten weird stuff on the podcast in a while. Do I have anything in my office I could eat? You know, I'm, I'm the wild card. I smudge. try and... I try... Eat smudge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll eat smudge live on air, Gavin. There we go. That's how I'm both the responsible one and I eat weird stuff. That would actually be the second time you've had pussy on the show. Oh, the second time you know of. What? Whoa! <laughs> oh, I made an implication there. We're also here with Gavin. Hello. Hi. I. How are you, I, do, how are you do Gavin? Do I say I'm good, thanks? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Are you good? Are you good? I, I mean, you don't good. have to lie. If you're not, if you're not good, you, you can say so. I am, I am good this week. My, well, that's good. My, my, my official team song for Seven came out, and it's got a nice. great response, so I'm happy. Hooray! Yeah, that if you thing didn't that you know, um, is out, out there in the world now. If you didn't know that uh, Gavin is doing the music for the upcoming remake of the movie Seven. <laughs> yeah, do you know what's funny? I was about to. I was before the podcast. I was taking a piss, thinking about. I'll mention the game Seven, and I guarantee you, one of them's going to make a joke about the movie Seven. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. You should have. You should have like like had some written evidence of that. You should have, yeah. like, filmed yourself beforehand and then shown us the video now. Yeah. There's no proof. You've got no proof. I I, no what proof. I did was original and unpredictable. <laughs> I am a, um, I, I'm the show's wild card, next to Laura and to Gavin. Are, are we all the wild card? Yeah. I'm We're aces wild. wild. I think that's card. a thing. The oh. mild cards. That's oh. nice. You're, yeah, well, that yeah, makes you the George Harrison. I feel like you're such a wild card that you flip the W upside down to turn it into the M to become the mild card. You're that wild a card that you became mild. So what? Yeah, so wild you went through the other side to mild, like the Event Horizon. <laughs> so video game stuff that happened this week. Yeah, um, I love video games. That's why yeah. I did a podcast about them once. Yeah, once upon a time. Um, so you know how Platinum put out the first Bayonetta on PC and everyone got really happy because it's a pretty good port and it's yeah. finally on PC? It seems like they are on a roll of like stuff at the, at the moment. They're trying to get like some big kind of roll going. So are you aware that they are teasing what appears to be Vanquish on PC? Whatever. Or, do either, either of you care about Vanquish? I never played <laughs> it, so I don't really know. <laughs> I've I've heard it's very good. It's because you're one of them filthy PC gamers that you know never don't play them console trash. Shall yeah. I shall I give you all the tale of Vanquish? <laughs> Let's you, hear the you tale of Vanquish. A, Vanquish uh, a, a mediocre review, didn't you? When you got <laughs> um, shouting. Oh, I mean, simple. Yeah, the the TLDR version is yeah, that's what happened. The long story. Is is quite interesting. It's quite interesting indeed. So, Vanquish is a game I played briefly at E3. Uh, I played a demo and enjoyed it a fair bit, uh, and did a preview for it on Destructoid. Uh, this is part of the reason why I, I hate previews and think previews are bullshit. 
um, because, you know, based on that demo, I was rather positive, um, and I said something about, um, you know, there's something bloody brilliant about it. Um, and it's important to remember that I said bloody brilliant, okay? Um, right. Oh, God. So, I get the full game when it's that time, you know, many months down the line. I play it, it's four hours long, um, I didn't enjoy much of it at all and didn't want to replay it, even though that was the appeal. Um, I I did not gel with it whatsoever. Uh, gave it like a four. And at this point, I'm expecting to lose some Patreon subscribers. <laughs> Uh, so um, as a result guessing... of what I just said, because it's like <laughs> confessing um, a real, like a war crime. Uh, it's like saying you escaped like the like some sort of oh, war not, crime trial. It's not that bad. At least you didn't give it a seven. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Um, so I'm, it's, I'm guessing... it's one of the sorry. I was gonna say, I'm guessing where this story goes is people like doing photoshops of bloody brilliant four out of ten. Jim no. Sterling, is that where? No, is that no. not where this went? I'm no, it gets better. Oh, oh better. no, no, no! You're gonna love this. Okay, okay. You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this. Um, so f- obviously, it was gonna be a controversial thing. Uh, I was aware of that. Um, thanks to Destructoids. Award-winning technological backend. Oh yeah, the, the structure that makes that website, um, you know, the the wonderful to work with bit of coding <laughs> that it was. Right. Uh, they were going through a new thing at the point. Um, I think they'd upgraded from. I think they they'd called their software Elephant and they'd upgraded it to Mammoth. And, and oh that... no, they they went back to Elephant. They still use Elephant. Oh no, yeah, they did. <laughs> Mammoth was very short-lived, and this is one of the reasons why. <laughs> First of all, it didn't hide posts if you post if you had them like saved as drafts ready oh, to be God. published. Oh god! So, so... <laughs> the first review that ever came out for Vanquish about uh... about a day before everyone else's, or at least several hours before everyone else's, was the four out of ten from Jim Sterling at Destructoid. Um, NeoGAF was not happy, nor was Reddit, nor was N4G, uh, which was still relevant at the time. Is, and ne- is NeoGAF had... ever happy? Um, NeoGAF like me now. Is there anything that brings is... NeoGAF joy? Honestly, they're, they're, well, there's a fair few Jimquisition fans there, so... <laughs> oh, they NeoGAF likes you. I'm all right they with don't... them now. Any time I get mentioned on NeoGAF, it's... Um... Oh, what, what was the last way I saw myself described? I think it was um... uh, Jim Sterling's pocket pet protege was the last way I saw myself described on NeoGAF. I think someone... Jim Sterling's I, pocket I pet protege someone... would be an amazing toy line. <laughs> <laughs> I think I once saw someone describe us, Laura, as Jim Sterling's shit obsessed uh, co hosts on, on Neo. <laughs> that, I don't I don't frequent the, the place but you. the only time I ever hear about it is when something bad has happened there. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to, to the someone story. I know. Um so it went up early. Uh, from what I heard, Sega was was panicking at its own offices. Um like like I'd heard that through the grapevine. The the yeah, it was being passed around there like wildfire, um, and and that was 
that was the, the 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 main thrust of the story, and it remains a review that has lived on to this day. There are several negative reviews that uh, people have never let go of. Uh, one of which is uh, Assassin's Creed Two. Uh, that's a certain flag that that's being flown by at least one co-host. Um, the and, and Vanquish is one of those ones that has endured, and people still bring it up. Hence, why I laughed when the word Vanquished was 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 brought up. Now, for the the real part of the story that makes it a, a bit of a lasting legacy is if you get any first print editions of Vanquish, such as the one I have. If you look on the back of the box, it <laughs> says "Bloody Brilliant Destructoid." <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it wasn't photoshopped. Sega quoted it. Oh. And that's only made funnier when you remember that Sega made that mistake not once but twice when they had leaflets with uh, a quote from me praising Sonic Colors, which was another famous 4 out of 10 review I did. So, that all aside... Uh, basically, there's a hint. Like they updated uh, Bayonetta on Steam, and they added to somewhere in like the game files folders a folder that is just a picture of the main character from Vanquish, and everyone's like, "Oh, is this going to be their next one?" Regardless of your thoughts on the game itself, Jim, I think it's definitely a positive sign to see that Platinum basically seems to be having a role of, yep. Let's just go. Games that we made that never came to PC, let's bring one after the other after the other to PC. By the way, here's Bayonetta 3, which is going to be a Wii U exclusive. <laughs> I mm, still yeah. be, Yes, please. Um, I, I'll go further and it's than not, that. It's like, going to be the Wii U Mini, and it's only going to be out <laughs> for like three days. Eventually, I'll go further than that and say that... Um, uh, more than than what you said, like regardless of my thoughts on the game, I'm thrilled that Vanquish itself is going to PC. Um, I think it's going to find an audience there that's going to love it, and I'm thrilled for that audience. Um, mm. It doesn't matter what I think about the game, ultimately. Um, it, it's what the people who are enjoying it think about the game, and Vanquish clearly, you know, I, I would never argue that I am anything other than an anomaly when it comes to the love of Vanquish. I'm trying to remember and that, I, that game. I, did do I play like a demo for it? Is it where you... It's like a third-person shooter with cover and you're, like, skidding around the place. Yeah, yeah, Slighty Bang Bang. Hmm. It's, it's the Slighty I, Bang Bang game. I think I played the demo and, and wasn't really into it. I remember a boss with, like, a gigantic health bar and that pissed me off. Yeah, it, it's never been my favourite Platinum game, but I'm still glad it's coming to PC because I'd like to go give it another look because even though it's not my favourite Platinum game by a long way... I still found it enjoyable. Um, the other the other bit we had tied into this is Platinum also seems to be teasing that Bayonetta 3 might be a thing. Maybe they're teasing that, maybe they're not teasing it at all. People have assumed that Bayonetta 3 is coming because Platinum Games uploaded a bunch of YouTube videos where it's clips from Bayonetta and each clip is looped three times. So it's Bayonetta 3 times looped and everyone has just jumped to the assumption that yep Bayonetta 3 definitely confirmed I mean it's about the level of subtle as as a video game developer gets when it tries to hint mm. at something cryptically so I mean that that seems like a safe assumption I mean so, it could be a, a red herring but it seems like a safe yeah. assumption I, I, I guess my question for that is 
if Bayonetta 3 is happening, and let's say it's getting announced in the next couple of months, do we think it ends up being another Nintendo exclusive? No. Because here's my thinking. Nintendo are never going to let Bayonetta 2 get published anywhere else other than Nintendo systems. Of I, d- I don't think that we ever see Bayonetta 2 ported to any th- anything that's not a Nintendo console. I, in that case, think that if we were getting a new Bayonetta game that was multi-platform, Platinum would probably stay away from calling it Bayonetta 3 as to not highlight that one of the numbered titles yeah, yeah, that couldn't be sense. played on other systems. So I'd have thought if we were getting a multi-platform Bayonetta, they'd avoid trying to tease it as Bayonetta 3. But but Bayonetta so, something. Yeah, so my thought is, yeah. if this looping three times is because it's going to be Bayonetta 3, I think it's going to end up being a Nintendo exclusive again, purely well, I mean, because I don't think they'd market it that way if it was going to be multi-platform. Like, I don't think they put a 3 on it if it's multi-platform. I think, I'll, I'll say this much, I, I think they would... I think they'd go this far. If, mm. the, if it was multi-platform, I think they'd go this far in teasing the idea of Bayonetta 3. Because right now, in everyone's minds, that's what it would be called, would be Bayonetta 3. Yeah. So the only so way you could te- really yeah. cryptically tease it would be some like some sort of allusion to 3. And it would so still using... technically be the third game, so it would yeah. still work. So using the third Bayonetta as their way to tease it, and then not using that in the title, perhaps. So that you might, might that you might, might be, be right, yeah. Um, but but I I'm I mean and, and I could be completely wrong, but but the confidence with which I'm saying that I think uh, uh, it won't be a Nintendo exclusive is because I think there's got to be something to this PC stuff they're doing. It's got to be them testing the waters and seeing how big the market is for their stuff there. And I think they're going to get a very very firm answer that that their market has probably always been more on the PC than anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I've got to agree with what a, a former colleague and good friend Jonathan Holmes said on Twitter the other day uh, when he said that he thinks Vanquish is finally going to find it, the audience that was always there for it when it comes to PC. Uh, and and that's why he's, he's excited about it. And that's why yeah. I'm excited about it as well, because I think... Platinum is going to find itself a solid, like a real dependable buying fan mm-hmm. base on the PC that it might not have uh, been able to rely on on console. Platinum Platinum have always made games that are for very niche core gamer audiences. And I think that sort of very specific thing that they try and do of difficult, over-the-top, very visually impressive game that you replay time and time again, trying to do a little bit better, a little bit better, while everything's very over-the-top works well with a PC audience and it amazes me that it's taken Platinum this long to be on PC but it feels just again just because of the nature of Bayonetta 2 being a Nintendo exclusive it feels really weird for the next Bayonetta to be where they make that push to PC and for that to be their first like you know day and date PC release or whatever it is. By the same token it's not the first time games with ex- exclusives have, ha- have had numbered sequels on other consoles. So, mm, like it, Titanfall 2. Yeah, Effect. great yeah. example. So it, it really... It, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it really wouldn't be out of the ordinary for it to even be called Bayonetta 3, I don't think. Um, but with regards to... Uh, I was going to bring something up. Um, yeah, yeah, with, with, with you saying how 
you know, it's a shock that it's taken this long for Platinum stuff to, to end up on PC. I think um, we, we're getting, at least I'm picking up a sense that Japan as a, as a market is is finally starting to see merit in, in PC as a platform, um, mm. with Square Enix having really pushed the boat out on several ports of late, and just having it seem, seemingly having really good results. I think uh, a number of companies are waking up to the fact that games that they've always considered um, console-only experiences might have big markets on the PC that, that they just didn't comprehend that oh well no we're not going to bother too much with putting Japanese RPGs on PC who cares that's a a console thing people buy Playstations for that and then we're getting the sense that well no maybe maybe there is you know big demand for a Final Fantasy uh, 15 on PC and maybe there is a a big demand for Nier Automata on PC. And mm. there has been, and, you know, there are, is talks of... of if I forget if they've confirmed 14 for PC or not yet. They Did they ever? I know that it was a big thing that was talked about, but, what, but either Final, way... Final Fantasy know, 14? Yeah. Yeah, that's been on PC for it's ages. It's on PC already, isn't it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was on yeah. PC when it launched. I don't think it was on PC when it launched. Was it not? Did it not launch on PC? Because I only ever played 14 on PC. <laughs> right. Maybe I've... Because um, I feel like I was making a really <laughs> good, insightful point, which would have been completely fucked up by a total and utter inability to recollect very recent history. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, we're now we're now. This makes great rating this. Um... It did. It, it is. It is on PC. It's definitely on PC. When did it come to PC? <laughs> Wikipedia. Can you tell us? Aha. Here we go. Yep. Came to PC the same time as it came to to consoles. Oh well. Fuck me right in my cherry red <laughs> asshole, man. <laughs> so I completely lost I where we were that? now because I was just too busy to like. You know, too busy trying to prove Jim wrong. I've lost track of where we were. I think what I think I must have just gotten thrown off because I was trying to find some stuff out about the um, the King's Tale spin-off they did. Um, and and when I was googling for that for my review, I saw talk about Final Fantasy fifteen not coming to PC or something. I must have got really fucking confused. But the point I was trying to make uh, after completely embarrassing myself <laughs> um, is that. I, you know, certainly Square Enix has, has woken up to this idea that games are worth bringing to the PC. Uh, maybe that's what, what got Platinum more interested in it after working with Square Enix and, and near being a, maybe a topic of discussion, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're finding out that these games that we've always thought of as just for console um, audiences, they're not. Because Bring them to PC. Yeah. Ooh, the more I'll platforms for PC. things, the better. Exactly. Um, other news we have about things coming to different platforms to where they were originally released. Night Trap is coming back. <laughs> that that yes. FMV game where a bunch of people try and murder some teenage girls having a house party. I think that was the plot of the game. It was something like that. It was some. I mean, it was basically people in trash bags shuffling around the house with these teenage girls going party time. Um, yeah, it's it's a 
it's a wonderful relic. It's one of those games that I I did a video about it this morning um, before we started recording, uh, and I said in the video that it's a game that I think like ninety five percent of us have heard about, and maybe five percent of us have ever actually bothered playing. Um, but we we all kind of know about it because it being an FMV game, it, it's a lot more passive. So there's a lot of it that we can all just see and still get the same um, amount of information from it as a player. So it's one of those games that over over the years got a big cult following. And when I saw the tweet yesterday about it having you know three different covers, uh, cover variants for the to, to kind of match the different versions of it back in the day. I thought it was a Photoshop. Like, I thought someone was, was doing a joke. Uh, then I saw it was actually Limited Run Games' account, and it wasn't April 1st. It was April 20-fucking-5th. And they weren't messing around. And, yeah, I, I'm a little bit shocked, especially because at one point, Rab Florence and I were talking about trying to acquire the Night Trap license to do a sequel, and I had a really good idea for how a sequel to Night Trap would work, but, well, fuck. Now well, it's revived, it, so that's it, that. In, in that case, can you now tell us about your idea of a potential Night Trap sequel? No, because now I could just rename it. <laughs> well, I, there you go. That That's covered my plans for stealing your great there game you ideas. And ain't no one <laughs> taking my great game ideas. Yeah, so like I, I have played some Night Trap, and it's fucking weird in that it feels like one of the worst examples of unless you have played this multiple times to memorize what's happening when it's near impossible to keep on top of everything as it's happening and to play it reactively right and even if you do so like if you want to actually see all the things that are going on it's like no you need to at exactly this time go to this room and it's a very weird game to try and play yeah mechanically Certainly from all accounts, not a good game in general. No, it's, um, I, it's, an, it's... it's an awkwardly acted mess that basically the, the sense I got of it was that it existed purely to like, hey, I'm going to watch all these foot- this footage of teenagers having a party and oh, no, I, I guess if I want to keep watching, I've got to deal with the break-in people. Okay, back to watching Teenage Party. It's, it's a weird game. <laughs> I mean, I'm really looking forward to playing it. Like, I don't think I'm going to have a great deal of fun with it after the first few minutes, once the the joy of the cheesiness wears off. I don't think it's going to have the same staying power as, say, Skeleton Warriors. But I am I'm really looking forward to just like playing it in the year 2017, the year of our lords, the current year argument of our lord, and on a fucking 4K TV, <laughs> and saying this is... This is a real thing that's happening. Um, and I'm just overjoyed that a game like that can get optioned for this kind of archival, really. Because uh, that's that's what it is. I saw it, um, I forget who said it, but I saw it mentioned that, that this is what Limited Run Games has been doing, is is kind of preserving, in, in a way, games in, a, in a, an industry that is so bad at, at preservation, as mm. uh, we often discussed with uh, the PT demo that was removed and and other games that end up being unable to be sold and then being made as illegal as possible to obtain through any other method. Uh, so it's it's great to see it. Like, even if it's not a good game, just to have that relic uh, preserved, in, in a, or at least extended, 
to, um, to have a more accessible way for people yes. today to look back on something that is definitely a part of the cultural discussion of video game history is a positive thing. I think so. I think so. It 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 it, it is a relic worth worthy of study. And I hope this signifies that Limited Run Games is going to do more like that in future. Um, I would love to see them, like, just get the rights to as many of these old shit games as possible. And 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 release them to niche audiences uh, in the way they've been doing. Uh, I think that would be a, a very interesting thing. And not, not necessarily all shit, by the way. Um, but... Obscure ones, like like obscure games that just wouldn't wouldn't get a release otherwise, but, and are probably too obscure for like whoever may have had the yeah. rights to put up much of a fight or try and ask too much money. For the weird them. things that people know of but have never experienced themselves, stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of that stuff. Stuff that's just like, or even stuff that you used to play a long time ago but could never really get a hold of now without finagling it somehow um, yeah. there are so many games like that that I would love to to get a hold of but, but there's no real way unless unofficially so I, it would be great to see more of this and, and it's there's something funny about it coming to consoles as well like not, not even just a, a quiet Steam release but a physical PlayStation 4 release and an Xbox One release is... You can go into your local GameStop and go pick up a copy of Night <laughs> Trap. <laughs> um, so yeah... I'm not sure if I, you can, actually. I don't know how Limited is, Run is it, do their things. Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. It's Limited Run, isn't it? But they're doing a, they're doing a box of some kind, so... Ooh, yeah, you can fancy. put it on your shelf and look yeah, at it and just point get, at get it your and boxed say, look copy at my Night, Night Trap. Trap. Um... So... Come to my house and do kissing, <laughs> and then you can look at my night trap box. Oh, you can have a look at my night trap anytime, Jim. Uh, what games <sighs> have we played this week? Uh, Gav, have you played anything new this week? No, sorry, I'm I'm fading into irrelevance here. I only just finished Zelda. <laughs> I've noticed more and more with every episode, Gavin. You've been getting more and more transparent to the point where I feel like one one time we're going to come back, and you will have just been this little tiny little floating soul that we can pick up and crush yeah <laughs> so, so Gavin, that how was a demon been... <laughs> souls reference everybody how, okay how that you... wasn't even dark souls that that was that was original that 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 was the hipster souls how are reference. you feeling now you finished it gav uh, that was I, my favorite souls i really game, was enjoying was um i was really enjoying hyrule castle and it was actually my favorite part of the game but then I got to the Ganon boss fight and just yet again frustration took over me. Because in a game that's supposedly all about freedom, that particular fight felt like very limiting. And I don't I don't want to spoil how, no. but you know. I I can see why in many respects that last fight does feel like it is it feels more like a traditional Zelda boss in that it feels like there is a set way that you are meant to take down this set piece fight. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is a fair criticism. But it wasn't a problem for you, Laura, was it? It wasn't a problem for you. <laughs> I, just, I just enjoyed the set piece fight. If I, I thought okay. it was fucking don't, shit, don't, honestly. Don't judge. I, thought, I thought the Ganon fight, not, not the second phase, the... The phase where he's in his his first form, let's put it that way. I mean, it's the not one where really he's, a big the one where spoiler. He's, yeah. You fight Ganon. Everyone knows you fight Ganon. 
<laughs> you did a lot of attacks that, to me, showed ex- showed up all the problems with the melee system and the dodging. He he had this phase where he goes completely invincible, except for maybe two or three ways in which you can fight back against him, which took me a while to figure out. And it, yeah, it's not exactly um, telegraphed the, all that well. It, it wasn't telegraphed at all. I mean, I had to basically try yeah. everything in my arsenal until something worked finally. And um, also, there was one way. One, the only way to do it with something that wasn't a consumable was to use a mechanic that I hadn't used once in the entire game, which was the deflecting with your shield. I had not oh, used that no. once in the entire I, game, so I was I, fucked. <laughs> I found yeah, it. Yeah, diff- no, I was I, the same I, way. Actually. I found a different way that didn't involve a consumable and didn't involve doing that deflection. Oh yeah, it's the way that I fought the stone octorox. Where you can... I, I don't want to say more than that, but there is an enemy type in the main game itself that taught me a method of fighting oh! that stage of Ganon. Oh, I see what you that mean. That didn't take up a consumable and allowed me to knock Ganon out of that invincible state. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I believe so. If I If I remember right, I think you can use... That that renewable resource that you have on you to knock him out of that state, I think, if mm. I remember right. But I I will agree with you. It is a bit of a departure from the rest of that game, where it does suddenly corridor you in how you do that that yeah. set piece fight at the end. And I just thought all his attacks were kind of bullshitty too. They were like fucking lock on attacks that you can't dodge no matter what, and just yeah, just to me it showed. It just emphasized all the problems I had with the mm. combat system in the game. And I was I was playing Wind Waker and I was like, yeah, no, this has a much better combat system. Much better. That's, I love that's... the freedom in Breath of the Wild, but I cannot stand the, the one-to-one melee combat. Mm. That's fair. Um, I do have to agree with you that I think the uh, Hyrule Castle as an environment was fantastic to work through. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I was initially really iffy on that 3D map that they used for it. Yeah. By the end of it, I really liked that as a way of handling map design. I am a big fan of 3D modeled maps. I found the map confusing myself, but I, I, to be honest, it it was just a cool place to explore as if it was a a Souls level without really Mm. needing the map. Because, I mean, it's easy to get to to where you're going because there's so many routes there. I, I, I used the map more to find places in that castle that weren't. The, the big place to go. Yeah, to get all the high-end gear. Yeah, it, it's a nice place to farm for high-end gear. Actually, um, one, one thing that game did really, really well, when, when I had, like, 15 hearts on my Master Sword and I went to smash up some Guardians that had been wrecking me at the start of the game, that was a good feeling. Oh, uh, going, going to that area once you have all of the abilities you can get yeah. with a bunch of hearts and the Master Sword and just being like, right, if I mess up, the Guardians will still wreck my shit. But yeah. as long as I'm smart about how I t- take on each one, I can like just destroy it. it it's, it's a cool feeling. When, you, when you've got the Guardian armor, though, and you've got 15 hearts, and you've got, like, 40 hearty stakes, <laughs> they're not going <laughs> to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 once you get to a certain point, you can just wreck shit with Guardians, which is nice. Um... So yeah, woo, that's Zelda. Uh, Jim, what, what have yeah, you been sorry. playing this week? So far behind oh. you guys. I'm sure you played oh, yeah, more more up to date stuff. That's that's all right. Like you you don't ha- like your job isn't to sit and play video games all day. Yeah, 
You, I, you get to I, actually I'm enjoy just, You know what my job is today, Laura? What's going, your job today? Going through 574 clips of Mass Effect Andromeda I captured <laughs> for the music video. 574 clips. Well, that's, that is a lot of clips. I'm trying uh, to narrow it down to like 30. It's almost like you're maybe making a song about it. Yeah. Uh, Jim, what have you been playing this week? You played Outlast, didn't you? I have, How I have. It? Although right now, right now, I'm trying to outlast my patience um, oh. because I, I, that didn't make sense. Um, I was trying to make some bit of wordplay to show how I'm losing my patience, but that didn't work. Let's abandon that concept. I'm just, I'm sat here open mouthed, uh, just because an email came in while you were talking about some rubbish seven out of ten game, and I've got another one. Right, I am being. Even though I just did a video in which I mercilessly tore to shreds some marketers who were trying to get sponsorship deals out of me and trying to get me to sell out, I'm still getting them. Oh, yeah, because no one actually pays any attention to I your know. content enough to notice. I know. And it's... I, I, I've can, never just been so starkly hit with it. Can, can to we the play... point where... <laughs> I was just gonna. I just want to say, right? One one guy emailed me the day the video went out, offering some sponsorship for some fucking Tiger Night. I think that's what it's called, Tiger Night. Um, they want me to play. You know, they offered me two grand to play it on my YouTube channel. Uh, I don't do those things. To get my email uh, through an official channel, you have to go onto my contact page that says. Two advertisers in bold that I don't do these kinds of deals. So they they ignored that and emailed me anyway, which I consider a, a, an overstep of professional bounds. Which is why I feel at liberty to ignore those little fucking things they put in their emails that say, this stuff is confidential, you can't talk about it. No, I will, because you violated what I said uh, when I said don't fucking email me, right? So this guy, on the day I put out a Jimquisition tearing people like him apart, offers me 2000 bucks to talk about this fucking Tiger Knight game. I tweet about it, because of course I do. Like, Tuesday morning, uh, I tweet about it saying, like, on the fucking day, this, this dude emails me offering me 2000 bucks for Tiger Knight and, and, you know, tear him apart on Twitter. Get an email from him today, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Looks like I'm finally getting some blowback from these people. Oh no. Hi Jim, just circling around to see what you think about the, the deal and whether you're interested. I mean for for fuck's sake. Oh God. And then I get one today. Hi Jim Sterling. The name all one word, Jim Sterling. Uh no capitalization. They've clearly just copy and pasted it from I I don't even know where. Like that's not where my name comes up anywhere, I don't think. Which, which um, company is today's from? Because I received one today and I'm curious if it's the same I got company. Blue Polo Interactive today. Oh, I got Blue Polo. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, hooray, we get the same terrible marketing yeah. trash. But I love how it starts with, I hope I'm not being a pest. That's certainly not my intention. You are. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Just, and, just a bit of a pest. And And... Let me just say, like, I wasn't joking when I said that videos like that will keep happening uh, if this keeps happening. Um, especially now that I know how fucking ignorant some of these companies are. 
like how easy it is to get them to tell you fucking anything. I'm going to be having a lot of work to do. So, so let that be. I was going to say let that be your warning, but let's face it, nobody's fucking listening who would, you know, benefit from such a warning. So just let that be a promise. Um, and let me also say that because so many of these companies are shady, same with the Brash Games thing, because so many of these companies are shady and not on the level and make the people who work for them feel bad, right? They None of them inspire loyalty. So I am also getting, you know, leaks out the wazoo again, like I did with Brash. Like, I've got several emails. Like, the word SEO juice... I've had to see so many times because I have so many emails about SEO juice, uh, <laughs> which is that horrible term used uh, by marketers for generating links in paid advertorials uh, to, to up Google search results for you know online casinos and other such endeavors. Um, I found out that apparently the gymquisition.com is very SEO juicy. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I get so many. Uh, I... I uh, some person who's actually like studied search engine stuff uh, said they looked at the kind of sites that link to me makes me very valuable. Like like marketers would would jizz themselves. That that wasn't their word, but marketers would cream their jeans trying to like if they could get something on my website. So that just makes them easier to manipulate on my end. So like I said. Stuff's going to keep happening the more I find out, and th- these people are so desperate, I'm finding out so much. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and just, wow. Just, just um, the unbelievable, bold-faced bullshittery of these individuals and these companies. And, ugh. <laughs> but I've been playing Outlast 2, long story um, short. I've not played Outlast 2 yet, but Joe did so for Let's Play Video Games, and I think he gave it, like, a 3 out of 10. Apparently, like, it's Yeah, he gave not... it a Lulu score. I think it's, this is apparently not a good game, I'm hearing. Uh, I disagree. I, I disagree no, with no, Joe, you, are you on, the, are you on the, uh, the upper end of the scale? Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's, uh... I, I, I don't think it's as good as the original Outlast, mm. uh, which I really... You know, I, I enjoyed a, a great deal. Um, I, I did a, a, a very fun video series of that back in the day that, uh, unfortunately, thanks to copyright claims that went on it, um, the video got buried and no one really got to watch because uh, it was on Destructoid and quite a few people saw it there, but then it got deleted from th- their channel. Mm-hmm. And I was able to archive some of it and repost it and then copyright content ID bullshit hit it and I got so angry I uh, delisted it until it was resolved and that res- result is getting buried and never seen, but it's on my channel. Um, and you, you can see me just cackling and, and actually feeling uh, nervous about the game, which is something so many horror games fail at doing these days. Um and Outlast 2 has some of that. That It's still got some elements of it that, where it does more than just make me laugh at how desperate it is to try and spook me. Uh, it, it has moments that make me think, oh shit, oh fuck, oh fuck. And the, the change was interesting uh, to a more outdoorsy area. Uh, it's set in, I think, Arizona now. Uh, where you're being pursued by uh, religious fanatics. Uh, There's something a little Resident Evil 4 about it, uh, only with a more obvious stealth and being chased vibe. Uh, It's it's a solid horror game, and I've I've 
not had uh, a terrible time with it. Uh, no, I've had uh, a lot of fun with it, uh, I, I should say. Um, it, it's a, it is a good game. It's just, I was hoping for them to top what they did last time, and they, they haven't. Uh, in, in, in every regard, uh, it's not as outrageous, it's not as shocking, mm. it's not as scary, and it's not as clever. Um, it's still those things in different measures. Uh, it is still enjoyable. It's still, it's still, it's a damn good game. It's just after what they did with Outlast and its DLC, it's one of those where do you go from here? It's kind of the Saints Row problem. It's it's in that where do you go from here? They started so high. Um, I think anything had anything had to be a down step eventually, and I think that's what they were left with was something that is. If you loved Outlast, you'll like this. Uh, I think that's that's the way I would to to, to take a, a you know very overused phrase and put a spin mm. on it. Uh, it. It is a game that I think if you really liked the first, you will still like this one, just not as much. Uh, I, I just say that as someone who did love the first and likes this. So I'm doing. I'm going to do a positive review. Definitely, uh, there are points in it that I could criticise. There are some glitches in it which I never really saw in the first one. I didn't think the first one was ever buggy in any way. In my experience, I, I played it fairly extensively, um, but this one I've encountered a couple of bugs that have, have caused me to restart checkpoints. And some of those checkpoints, uh, you know, they're not the best placed. So that's been a bit annoying. Uh, but otherwise. Um, I am curious. I've not gotten around to reading Joe's review yet. I want to be done with the, my game and, and get mm. my review written first. Uh, but I'm curious as to what he disliked about it so much. Um, and, and think, you know, I say this sorry, respectfully. Sorry, I had to run off there for, for a minute. That's no right. worries. No you worries. probably just, didn't even notice, did you? And... <laughs> we did. You, I, mo- no, you well, mentioned you left it in us the, a note. the chat thing. We were aware of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, d- you did that professional thing where uh, in a podcast where you'll leave a subtle text note so we can see it and seamlessly let you go and come back and just let and it happen. So that you... Yeah, yeah, that was, that was brilliant. <laughs> we were just talking about Outlast 2. Um, oh, yeah. I was just uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I was like, just saying I liked it a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, not not as much as the first one, I, but I've I heard it's a bit frustrating. It. Is that true? It's got yeah. its moments. I, yeah. I, the outdoorsiness I, of it has made some some areas way more obfuscating than they should be. Mm. Uh, and towards the end, I think I'm towards the real end now of it, and and it's starting to lose its thread where it's cutting between. It does this Silent Hill thing where it tries to cut between two different like, realities almost. Yeah. And it's now doing it with such frequency that I'm just like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. So I, I had a quick look back at it. Joe gave it, I think, a four out of ten. Um, the, the basic oh, he version vanquished is... it. Yeah, he vanquished it. Um, basically, he liked the premise and the visual style, but his issues were that... He was really bothered by the the environments being what felt like very generic horror environments of, oh, it's a mine and a school, they're quite spooky. Uh, yeah, found... it doesn't have the same, like, bite as the first game. Yeah. Like, the first game, like, for all of its issues, especially with the fact it was set in a, a mental hospital and, well, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Just, you know, issues there's there. There's so much to be said for using one location well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, for, like for anything... Like the first Dead Space. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. For anything you can criticise with the first Outlast, and there, there's definite criticisms to be had. Uh, they did their use of space was very good, and they filled it with a lot of um, m- very, very memorable moments and locations. Um, just places that visually uh, stick in the mind. And this, he's right. Like creepy mine, creepy skull. Mm. Um, the school yeah. stuff especially feels to me um, like one of many Steam horror games I've played before. And, and you know, I've, I'm, I've played so many generic first-person horror games on Steam. It's like fifty percent of my impressions videos. Um, and that stuff, when it's out in the woods, it's got a lot more of that Outlast sense of style to it. But the school stuff um, is so generic horror. Yeah, I do agree with him there. You know, uh, the, the, I, it, I was wondering. Sorry, Laura. That's wanna... all right. I, I, I was. was... Yeah, no, go, go, Gav, go, go, go. I was wondering recently how tempting it is for horror developers these days to deliberately cater their games towards screaming banshee YouTubers. Some of them definitely do. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, I think any horror game that isn't just some asset flip trying to make money off cards, hmm. um, I think the the second tier, the, the tier just above um, asset flippers, are the ones who are just. They they think that you know if they can get PewDiePie or someone to scream at their game, they'll make some money on Steam, which isn't mm. actually all that true. Um, YouTube coverage does not generate um, for shit games. I should say does mm. not generate a massive amount of sales. If if uh, uh, an influential YouTuber does a positive review of something, depending on their audience and uh, depending mm. on the age range of their audience, they could generate some significant sales. Um, negative really don't like, and I say this as as someone who was shown the very extensive stats a few weeks ago uh, when I you know went to that meeting. Um, so I know for a fact that that's the case. But they still do it anyway. They still think, oh well, if I can just get. I mean, the worst ones I see, and these are greenlight videos. I never, I never do um, uh, coverage of greenlight trailers for my series. Uh, mm. that do these but many horror games do like screaming compilations where they've gotten usually not the famous ones they've gotten literally any youtubers they could find to play some version of their really awful slapdash horror game and scream like pantomime fucking clowns i don't think that's a thing i don't think pantomime clowns are, are a specific genus of clown <laughs> uh, it's so but, funny but... when you see the um when you see a new horror game like this come out, immediately the YouTube front page is—it's just so predictable. Oh, God, at this the point. thumbnails of all—all all the the white boy faces just Aah! yeah, with arrows pointing towards their faces, going Aah! just to let you know that they are there and scared, so that you know you're in for a great. You know, I just had the Outlast two official artwork with the Jim Pressions logo on it when I did my video, and I didn't really scream even. Um, oh god, I saw the most egregious example of that literally yesterday. Oh fuck, I forgot, it's Alien Day today! Alien Day? Yeah, when we record this, April 26th, it's uh, Alien Day. Ah, I, I, I've i probably missed something, what makes today Alien Day? Anniversary of Alien, innit? Oh, it's the, uh, the anniversary of it. I wasn't sure uh, under what category, it's like, was there something oh, funny about the fuck. date that was... Like relative to something in the film or something. I am wearing an alien shirt though, although 
you know, it's a it's a day of the week, so there's always a good <laughs> chance of it. We're wearing a shirt my uh, other half got me. Uh, it's got me a. Uh, it says "Welcome to LV Twenty Four Six on it. It's like a like a holiday t-shirt uh, from the eighties, and it's got all like eighties colouring on it. It's got yeah. blue alien, bl- black and blue alien on a hot pink um, background. On a black shirt, uh, it's very so, classy looking. I like well, it. What was I saying about Outlast? Oh yeah, when you were saying about those oh, yeah. like YouTuber thumbnails for horror games, oh, I don't yeah. know how I came across this thumbnail, but it was PewDiePie's latest video about Outlast Two, and I think the thumbnail was a shocked-looking woman's face and a man in Incontinence products, and the the headline did, of the video didn't mention Outlast Two. It was to play this video game, you're gonna need diapers to play it. And, like, no mention of Outlast 2 in the title. Nothing to do with Outlast in the thumbnail. I was just like, oh, oh, this is the state of YouTube. This is where yeah. YouTube's at. They they rapidly followed, on, like, blogs down that hole. I just, Very yeah. quickly I just put did Outlast into the YouTube search engine, oh, and God. the thumbnails really say everything you need to know about YouTube. Oh, don't doubt it. <laughs> um, and also, just as a, as a tip for YouTubers... Every game can't be the scariest game ever. Yeah. No yeah, matter but... how many exclamation marks you put after the the word ever. Yeah, but uh, what if what if it's scarier than the last scariest game ever? So it's the new scariest game ever. Um yeah, and actually then half of YouTube would be dead because I don't think their hearts could take that much. One one of one of the uh thumbnails here is making me address something as well that I've wanted to for a while that I've been asked a few times. No, nobody in Ireland speaks like Jack Septicai. Oh, no, top of the morning to nobody you. Nobody here has ever, I've never heard the phrase top of the morning to you being uttered in this country in 36 years. Never once. No, we don't you will have green if I hair. visit. If, if I visit, I'll wander around and shout it. Yeah. He's almost—it's almost like he's an exaggerated character. Yeah. Um, he, no, he, I tell you what, right? Know, people on web that, shows. Um, you know, he's a smart lad. He knows the Americans love that fiddle dee diddle dee stuff, and he. People on web shows are one hundred percent genuine in everything they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to very quickly finish answering your question from before, Jim, as to why uh, Joe wasn't so hot on Outlast Two, he found the the jump scares really predictable, and he felt that it was it had far too many uh, like edgy scripted events, as he described it. And basically, he just found it too predictable to be scary, but too committed to genre tropes to be original, and he just didn't enjoy it. Fair enough. Which is like, yeah, it's, yeah. He, he, he defended his, his take on it. He just didn't enjoy it. He just thought it was very, very much trying to do, like, here's all the places that are scary in tropes with predictable jump scares. Mm. So, you know, that 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 was his that was his yeah. I mean, was my, my first one at it. least felt kind of fresh because a because of the location, not not that that as a location is an original idea, but just the way they handled it. And also some of the stuff in it was just geniusly uncomfortable, like those naked dudes following you around with their dicks out was just very creepy to me. <laughs> I mean that that is an issue with with Outlast Two is they've got nothing on that level. They've got nothing that again, like I said, they they it's the where do we go from here? They they mm. were unable to escalate it is because the, I think to escalate first, it much further than that is to just show 
that little bit of the clip that they all see in the Event Horizon vidlog, yeah. but like for a long time and not tastefully oh, cut I, away from. I made Rachel watch that movie recently, and she couldn't get. She had. That's where. That's where we ended our movie watching experience. She couldn't get past that. I that that is possibly my favorite horror film. It's really good movie. It's really disturbing. Movie. So shit. good that I made I made I made, I made two references to it on this show alone. This is yeah, yeah that was the second go. reference. So there you go. But that one um, scene is genuinely disturbing as fuck. Mm. Like. But mm. yeah, Outlast one it 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 did a really good job at at fucking with you psychologically. I felt like more yeah, so than a lot of horror games. This one this one tries to do it and and he's successful sometimes not not as often as the first except the and last level by the way i thought outlast fell apart in the last uh, half hour or so yeah the, the mm. an issue it, with outlast 2 is that the skull which they keep wanting you to like they keep referring back to yeah. is like that it's oh, so no. there's there's more of that peppered into the game in between the the like the good stuff um nothing you said is stuff i disagree with mm. uh, i think the disagreement comes in that i think that at least they did it well like the stuff they did that was unoriginal yeah it's unoriginal but it's they did it with a certain level of panache that that allowed them to get away with it uh more than they would have if they they're like stevie they ray vaughan yeah yeah not really original but they do it well yeah they they get it done um, um, I, I, but yeah, it's it's slickly produced, and aside from the bugs, but. I wish more horror games would um, let their let the mystery stay a mystery, because I I find in a lot of horror games that inevitably it's either a cult or an evil corporation with a factory or a lab, and to me that's the point of those games where it always stops being scary. That's why I loved it yeah. in Silent Hill too, where you never really. You know, it stays mysterious right to the end. You know? Yeah, well, that's why I've been disappointed about this constant, which it seems like they're finally going to do with um, the next one, Paradise, mm. uh, with uh, explaining the aliens and mm. what they are. Because they're scarier to me as, a co- as this, yeah. they're just an animal in space. Yeah. Like, that's just space shit you have to deal with now. Enjoy. Like, that's scarier to me than, you know, this... I, the popular theory has always been, you know, they're a bioweapon of the engineers and shit. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like that we're not being dissuaded too much from that. And I, I, they're just scarier to me as just, they're, they're a force of nature, but because you, they're in space, they're completely unnatural to us. Did you guys ever play Condemned 2? I didn't play the second. I've tried to play... I've tried to play them both. I wish I could like either of them. Really? I, I can't get into them. The first, I wish I could, um, but the melee combat, I can't. I can't. I, I don't like it at all. To, to me, that was one of those games that, like, uh, it start, when, in the first half, there's some incredibly scary moments. And then when you get to the point where, oh, it's all a cult, it just completely loses any sense of direction or, or being scary anymore. You know? Yeah, I think actually this is a good topic. This is one I might actually uh, um, softly steal from you uh, to put not too fine a point on it. Um, no, I think I might borrow Say this from you for a, for a topic because that's a good um, labs and cults. I think they're they're we're a little done with them. I yeah. think it would be they're not scary. Useful, yeah, it'd be useful for horror games to explore other. 
other reasons for shit happening. Yeah, and I or know, just I not, know, someone's going to point out to me now that Silent Hill did have a cult in it, but so if you only played Silent Hill two, which I had at the time, I don't think you'd ever have known that because I'm not sure that game references the cult from the first game. And it? again, I would, I would forgive Silent Hill because you know it was among the vanguards of the the survival horror resurgence. Mm. So it was. It's got more of a Seinfeld effect to it, where they, they only look overdone and tropey because so many other games since have done the same stuff. So I I, I don't think they really count as, as being too overplayed. Plus, they did their cult shit well, and it's it's more in the it permeates the background in an insidious way rather than uh, oh look it was a spooky cult all along. It's like no, you 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 you've picked up that it's a spooky cult. There's just so much you don't know about the spooky cult and the real shit behind the cult. Because that's the other part of Silent Hill is, it's less that a spooky cult's behind it all as there's spooky shit behind the cult. That's the the differentiator, I think. Mm. Silent Hill's really awesome. Plus, I, I don't recall the second game mentioning them at all. So. Uh, they were Maybe they were they did, mentioned. Yeah. They were basically just uh, they were baked into the history, though they weren't. Part, and one of the endings, um, an optional one, um, which I, I don't even think was part of the oh, wait, the original were, release, they? even. Um, but but it was a very off the beaten path ending. Yeah. Um, makes more explicit reference to the cult. But Silent Hill Two is is very much a bubble episode that is just about you know James and the town, mm. uh, which. I think it's, you know, one of the many reasons why it's the best game in the series and my favourite game of all time, if anyone's asking. It's yeah. It's fucking amazing game. Oh, it's such a good game. Uh, the other thing you played this week, Jim, you played Flint Hook. Fuck yeah, I played Flint Hook. How's Flint Hook? Really good. What's Flint Very Hook? cool. <laughs> Very cool, Laura. Um, I love Flint Hook. Flint Hook is... And, and people are going to roll their eyes because it sounds like so many games. An indie, side-scrolling, roguelike game. <laughs> it's a shooter as well. Um, so it's got all that stuff in it. Um, What's it called? Sidehook? Flinthook. Flinthook, sorry. Uh, but it's, it's done, again, similar to Atlas, it's the style and panache with which it does what it does that makes it so good. And also just the way they blended in a lot of elements with a control scheme that at first feels a little confusing, but once you start to learn what you're doing, it's really, really well done. Because you, to aim, you can aim in any direction, up, down, left, right, three, you know, full 360 degrees, uh, but you use the left stick, which is the same as your movement stick. So unless you're pressing a specific button to plant yourself um, before shooting, you are moving while shooting constantly. Uh, in the direction of your shots. Uh, but there are little grappling hooks all around the rooms uh, that are procedurally put together. Um, and you use those to grapple, which is, again, the same movement thing. So there's this constant flow of using the your hook shot, basically, to flip around the room. And you can also hold a trigger to slow down time. So you are flipping and slowing and bang, bang, banging, and, and it's just constant moving around this room, fighting fish-like space pirates uh, and collecting bounties and picking up perks and meeting weird characters uh, with this 
pixel art style, which is a very old hat, but again, the art direction backing it up is fantastic, and the music's incredible. Uh, and I, I keep urging people to just watch the intro. Uh, my Jim Impressions video started with the intro without commentary, and I know that the uh, the developer Tribute Games has it up on their channel because um, it just it really amps you up for the game and it sets the tone really nicely. Um, big fan of it. It's it's got a ton of fucking character to it, and the gameplay itself is. I mean, it's encouraging because a lot of these games can feel like. Um, a bit like Lost Investment sometimes um, with permadeath, uh, but this is a game that's constantly giving you rewards. Um, similar to, it's got similar to uh, microtransaction style award systems. It's got unlockable cards that you get for leveling up. It's got a, a, a currency that you use in game to buy temporary stuff that you lose when you die, and a premium currency you get for completing levels uh, that you can buy permanent upgrades with. Uh, so it's got this dual currency system and card packs and shit, but it's all given to you at no additional cost. So it's got all the fun of collecting random things and upgrading and, and accruing little currencies, uh, but without the you know nasty, insidious bullshit trying to get real-life money out of you. It, it's using it to get you to keep playing it, because it is a game that, as I said in my video um, that I posted this week, it's a game that wants to be played. And it is using, it's kind of using the same psychological trickery that microtransactions use to keep you having fun with the game. So it's almost like using a, 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 a tool of evil for good, which is nice. It's the kind of thing the Legion of Light from the Skeleton Warriors show would do. That sounds interesting. That, that is. Yeah, it's just hit yeah. me actually. What I, sometimes I, I, I'll. Sometimes the discussions we have inspire me to do Jimquisition uh, episodes. And you just having Gavin that moment live on the air, are right? you? Yeah. yeah, well, I had that with, with Gavin mentioning the, the Outlast stuff with the, the cults and the labs. Like, that, that could be put on... Because I, I like to, to reserve ideas for horror topics for Halloween episodes, because I'm mm. just a big dork for Halloween. Um, and I, I just had one now with that, with the, how Flinthook is using... Psychological, the same tools, f- just to keep you invested in playing the game just for the game's own sake, but not in a way that's really insidious because they're not trying to make money off you. It's just a really fun fucking game, and they've used the tools available to enhance the the sense of fun that you're, you're getting from unlocking stuff. Um, go- yeah, that's actually fascinating to me now. Go you having an observation, Jim. Woo, go you. <laughs> It's like I've done a nice finger painting and you're complimenting me. <laughs> we'll pin that idea right up on the fridge yeah. until Halloween, Tim. Aww. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, uh, last game I wanted to bring up that I played this week, and this will be a quick one. Um, I played the Rick and Morty VR game that came out this this week. Uh, nice! I really want to, like, I'm such a big fan of Rick and Morty, but I just can't make myself put a VR headset on ever again. Mm. So, so I'm, I, I'd love to... Get your thoughts. Here's, here's my quick thoughts. It's it's maybe an hour and a half long, which feels like the perfect length of time for a self-contained experience in VR, because that's, at a stretch, that's about how long I want to spend in one sitting in VR, and I wouldn't want yeah. to spend longer than that. Um, no. The beginning of it is a bit slow. Um, if you ever played any of Job Simulator, that was one of the games that released around the time the Vive launched, and the uh, the, the other one, the Oculus... 
it feels very much like that in that it's here you are in an environment, pull all these dials and watch the funny things happen that are references to the show while you pull dials. It starts off a little bit like that. You're basically stood in in the in the garage where all the science happens and you can mess around with things. Probably its first 20 minutes or so, I would say, is a bit slow and not terribly well written in regards to its writing staying in in tone with the show. As it goes on, it becomes more tightly designed. The narrative and the dialogue become a lot more in character for these characters. By the end of it, I felt like I'd gone on a fun little Rick and Morty adventure that felt like the sort of thing that would happen in the show. It just is disappointing that its opening is clearly trying to be slow for the sake of easing people who haven't tried VR before very slowly into okay. it, giving them like... A... They do the typical VR bullshit. Yeah, they they try and ease you in with a sandbox of things to mess around with before, mm-hmm. and at this at also during this introduction they don't hit you over the head with the very loud and at times abrasive humour of Rick and Morty. Like, I think they tried to make the first 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes of this, something that could be enjoyed by people who just wanted to see what VR was about without being fans of Rick and Morty already. And it's not Mm -hmm. until, like, it's latter two-thirds that it's like, oh, there we go, we're starting to get a bit more into the Rick and Morty feel of things. So, you know, for for, for something that took me maybe, what, 90 minutes or so to, to go through in a single sitting, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a bit slow to start, but by the end, I'm glad that I went to the effort of setting my VR back up to do it. And I'll probably well, never go back to it. <laughs> so there you go, that, that cool. was that. There we are. Uh, do, do we want to do any questions before we wrap up, or do, or do we want to just wrap up? Um, I could do with wrapping up, actually. That, um, that works all right by me. I'm, s- I'm sorry, everyone who gave us questions. I did take a bunch of questions this week. I got, like, ten of them in the chat. Because I was like, oh, we've only got, like, five or six things on the topic list. You know, this we'll never fill an hour with those. And then we very easily filled an hour with them. So I'll keep them in yeah. the list. Your question might get asked one day. I will say, um, just quick mini-announcement. If, if um... Like the five people who are fans of me who live in Mississippi um, attend like any local uh, nerd themed things. Uh, I'm going to be at McNabb's down by the coast this weekend for the the game thing they're doing. That I actually haven't gotten around to reading up on exactly what it is. I just know that a couple of friends of mine are going, and so I'm going with them. So I'm going to be there for that at McNabb's, which is actually uh, quite a, a Fun little gaming place down uh, down that way. Woo! So that's just that's just a thing. That is a thing. Uh, so yeah, is that is is that is that us done for this week? I feel like that's a good time to wrap up. Uh, if uh, Laurie, you'd like to tell the audience where they can get more of your stuffs, you can find me and my stuffs at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Patreon—that's what pays the bills. YouTube. Other than that, let's play videogames.com. And Gavin, music to my ears. Where can we get it? Miracle of Sound on YouTube, Miracle of Sound on Twitter, and hopefully, maybe by the time this comes out, the Mass Effect Andromeda song will be out, but it might be Friday as well. That that, that first draft I heard, pretty good. It's Sounded my favourite one in a long time. 
I had a lot of fun listening to that, so Thanks. I can't wait to hear the finished version go out because that's that's a good yeah. ass song you made. It's, it's definitely my favourite one in about a year, I think. So. That doesn't always mean everyone will think that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it then. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we always have fun. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 All right.